What's cracking? Big dogs. We're preaching today. Want to do a little sermon like, a little Trey sermon like. Nah, that ain't foreshadowing. He's not on this list. I've been uh, I've been doing a lot of drafts on underdog fantasy so far this offseason. More, I'm a little bit embarrassed to say the actual quantity, the volume of drafts I've I've uh, completed so far, and June hasn't even hit yet. But I've done a lot of them. And that being said, I'm starting to notice a bit of a pattern. I'm starting to notice some trends, in particular at the running back position. There are a few dudes that I absolutely love where they're going off the board. I cannot stop drafting because the value squeeze is too fucking juicy right now. And I want to share with y'all today who I'm referring to. We are hitting these ADPs hard. We are taking advantage of it while we can on Underdog Fantasy. Make sure you are signed up and drafting because it's the sharpest ADP. It's the best place to draft and prepare yourself for the season-long drafts, okay? If you throw $10 onto your account, you get to draft with us multiple times. Go to underdogfantasy.com. The link will be the first thing in description as well as pinned in the comment section. When you deposit 10 bucks and you use promo code BDGE, it'll let me know and I can personally invite you into the drafts that I start and you'll be drafting against me. I hope that's not the case, to be honest with you, because then I don't get to take advantage of the values of the ADPs that we're talking about today. But today is three running backs that I am way too high on they are must-own running backs based on where they're being drafted right now for 2021 fantasy football. So without further ado, tuck your shirts in. I got too many layers going on today. That was that was not a flawless process. We're going to stop yelling, and we're about to eat. We all know that running backs win leagues. We all know that elite running backs in particular win leagues. This dude is an elite running back. This dude is not being drafted as an elite running back. Yes, he's cracking into the first round. He's not even actually in the first round yet, which is quite disrespectful if you ask me. This dude is currently going as a 13th pick overall in underdog drafts. He is the running back 10. He is part of the Cleveland Browns organization, and his name is Nicholas, great name, Chubb. This offense was awesome during their first year under Kevin Stefanski. By all intents and purposes, they had a phenomenal year one in this offensive system. I actually think they are a low-key, really good bet. One, Baker, I think, is a low-key bet for MVP this year. I think the Browns making, you know, maybe it's winning the AFC or making the Super Bowl, which is the exact same fucking thing. I think anything you can get on the Browns at a very good discounted value betting-wise is where you need to be right now. They told us exactly what they were going to do last offseason when they signed Jack Conklin and when they drafted Jedrick Wills. They said they want to run, they want to block, they want to run, they want to fake a run, pass the ball, and then they want to run a little bit more. It led to them having the single highest graded run blocking line in the NFL per PFF. Number seven in pass block. We've seen this a couple times over the last five years. Typically, it takes a long time for a uh, for an offense to rebuild. It takes an offensive line in particular to rebuild. But you can hit on free agents and draft picks and make that uh, a little bit quicker. We saw it with the Rams a few years ago when McVay came in, and we saw it now with the Browns in 2020. You combine the offensive line with a heavily implemented play action passing scheme. And what that does for a running back is wonderful. And it opens up 
the opportunity for elite production. You're going to get elite production from a guy like Nick Chubb because he is an elite runner in his own right. If you look at what he did last year, he played in 12 games, 1,200 yards, 12 touchdowns. Nick Chubb's last year was the year of 12. 12 games, 1,200 yards, 12 touchdowns. You include the two playoff games. So you're looking at a 14-game sample size. It's 1,435 yards and 13 touchdowns. At this point, it's hard to argue that Chubb uh, isn't the second best runner in the NFL, if not better than Henry. On a raw level, I, I, I think you could argue if you put both of those guys in uh, a terrible offense and a terrible offensive line, I would say Chubb might come away more victorious than Derrick Henry. Now, last year, I made a video of what consists or what comprises of a league winning running back in fantasy football. I'm going to redo that video later in the summer this year. And we broke down different criterias over the last you know, 10 or 20 years or whatever the sample size was. We looked at running backs who averaged over 20 fantasy points per game throughout a year, right? Those are league winning running backs. You only have a couple of them, if not only one or zero running back to do that per year. Those are the league winners. If you have them on your team, you're making the playoffs for sure. Maybe they have a bad week in the playoffs and they don't propel you to the championship. But if you have one of those guys, your team's going to do really fucking well. And what they consist of, mainly they have to be a good pass catcher. However, we have seen a handful of guys who were league winning running backs over 20 fantasy points per game that did not, that did not hit the criteria of being a good fantasy pass catcher. Of the dudes that weren't, there was a few other pieces of criteria that made them league winning running backs. And Nick Chubb fits all of those. One of them was being behind an elite run blocking offensive line. As I said, they were number one in run blocking per PFF last year. You have to be in a top 12 scoring offense. Makes sense. As a runner, you get a lot of goal line opportunities. Last year, they were 13th. They were 0.3 points per game behind Pittsburgh. Second year of the offense coming in. More importantly, for the quarterback, second year in an offensive scheme, I think this offense easily hits into the top 12 in terms of scoring points per game. Second year for Jedrick Wills. And we're fucking out. We out here with Nick Chubb, all right? He's going to fit all the criteria that you need for a league wing running back to hit the 20 fantasy points per game marker without being a huge pass catcher. And also, just a, just a side note, not exactly sure what, what changed in Cleveland, but over the second half of the year, if you look at what Chubb was doing in the passing game, it was pretty eye-opening, all right? So you look at weeks 1 through 11, which is a sample size of, of six games for Nick Chubb because he missed four games. He literally had a total of four targets and three receptions. From weeks 1 through 11, he had four targets and three receptions. From weeks 12 through the divisional playoffs, which is an eight-game sample size, he had 23 targets and 19 catches. If you give Nick Chubb 46 targets... 40 catches over the season along with his rushing work, he's going to be a fucking problem. They need to get him more involved in the screen game. He literally had five screen targets on the year last year. They were all from weeks 12 through the divisional playoff, that second half sample size. Five screen targets all came in the second half of the year. He caught all five of them and averaged 16 yards per reception on them, the single highest number among any running back in the NFL. Like, imagine getting him as your RB2. Imagine getting him as the first pick of the second round. You start off with whoever at, at, at 12, and then you take Nick Chubb as your running back two. I like him as high as six to eight overall. As that first tier running backs goes off the board, I'm fine grabbing fucking Nick Chubb. My season-long rankings will be up in the draft guide relatively soon. Probably June 1st will be the first drop of the season-long edition of the rankings, which you can grab on bdge.store. So Nick Chubb is going to be probably my highest-owned first-round running back because you can get him at any point in the first round. Chris Carson, he's like a discount Nick Chubb. His current ADP is running back 19, 35th pick overall. That is the end of the third round, early fourth round, and it feels like you're stealing change out of a homeless man's bucket. Seattle re-signs Carson, two-year extension, the bag worth nearly $15 million. Injuries played Chris Carson for uh, for most of 2020, and that could probably explain why there was a little bit of a dip in volume. Carson played in 12 regular season games, and after seeing 
16 or more touches in 93% of the games in 2019. So you go back two years, he was wildly involved. 16 or more touches in 93% of the games that he played in 2019. That mark, 50% in 2020. If you look at efficiency level for Chris Carson, he ain't that fucking old. He's not that old, so he's not dipping off yet. Carson was as good as as he's ever been on an efficiency level, okay? Setting a career high in yards per carry, 4.8 yards per carry. He averaged just 0.2 fewer fantasy points per game in 2020 than he did in 2019. And his per-game receiving numbers, this is what gets me most excited. His per-game receiving numbers paced out to 61 targets and nearly 50 receptions. 383 receiving yards, okay? If Chris Carson is going to get you 50 catches and 350 to 400 receiving yards, he, like Nick Chubb, is going to be a problem. Again, Chris Carson's only 26 years old, man. Nothing in this backfield has proven to be any sort of competition for Chris Carson. You have Rashad Penny, or as I like to call him, Bentney. Rashad Bentney. The man has more knee problems than my 85-year-old grandpa. And you have Stick to Being a DJ, Dallas. And lastly, Travis Go Homer. Go Home. Er, sorry, those were fucking brutal. But it's not as brutal as his depth chart behind Chris Carson, which offers him no competition. So again, according to Underdog ADP, which I will link down below, you should just go sign up and draft with us and you can see the rankings there. But the rankings are obviously free to see. Running back 19, end of the third round. Until he hits second round, until Chris Carson gets into the second round, I will be scooping and scooping and scooping like I'm a fucking Baskin-Robbins worker every Chris Carson share I could possibly get. The last dude on this list who I cannot stop drafting, and more so to do with where he's dropping in drafts, is Damian Harris of the New England Patriots. Current ADP, running back 32, 88th overall. I'm not sure why I'm so fucking in on Damian Harris this year, but I am. There's a ton of uncertainty in this backfield, as there always is, and there's still not a lot to like about the situation for Damian Harris overall, but that's what you're going to get from a 7th, 8th round pick. They re-signed James White to some shit one-year deal. Sonny Michelle is still in New England, for now, they drafted Ramondre Stevenson, the running back out of Oklahoma, who I personally like a lot. So Michelle might actually be on his way out. But if we look back at what last year was for Damian Harris, I want to put context behind it. Uh, Sonny Michelle was dealing with some foot injury last summer, which he always is. And Damian Harris was soaking up all the first team reps in training camp while Sonny Michelle was out. Then he got placed on the IR with a hand injury, kept him out for the first three weeks of the NFL season. Came back in week four. Ripped off a 17-carry, 100-yard game versus Kansas. First game of the 2020-2020 season. 17 carries, 100 yards versus the Kansas City Chiefs. Before injuring his quad, a couple weeks later, dealing with an ankle injury. So he was played for most of the first half of the year. Then week eight comes around, and through the rest of the season, he took over as the guy in the Patriots' backfield. Averaged about 15 carries per game and almost 75 rushing yards per game. In that span of those eight weeks, he averaged over five yards per carry and over 3.2 yards after contact per attempt. Both very highly ranked among NFL runners. I mean, the advanced analytics are just littered with predictive efficient measures. True yards per carry, 4.8, sixth in the NFL. Breakaway run rate, 16th in the NFL, which is runs of over 15 plus yards. Juke rate, which is basically his elusiveness, number eight in the NFL. Yards created per touch, number nine in the NFL, man. There was a lot to, a lot to, a lot to, a lot to, a lot to like about Damian Harris's game last year. And he did it while defenses swarmed on top of that offensive line. You look at the average defenders in the box, 7.4, number one in the NFL among running backs. That is not number one in terms of the least amount of defenders in the box. That is the most amount of average defenders in the box. 7.4, number one in the NFL. Stacked front carry rate, 42.3%. Number two, stacked front means, listen, average defenders in the box is a good number to tell you how how many defenders were up there, but it puts no context behind it because what if you have 
nine offensive linemen and on average 7.4 defensive linemen. That is uh, an advantage to the offense. But when you take into consideration the stacked front carry rate, stacked means you got more defenders in the box than offensive blockers. So he was still at a very high rate being swarmed in the box, number two in the entire NFL. And while that's still likely to be the case where defenses are going to swarm the box in 2021, it'll be much, much less. It'll be to a much less extent in 2021 because literally nothing was worse. I don't know if there was a positional group in any NFL team and any NFL organization or franchise that was worse than the group of pass catchers that New England had last year. It was like going to the fucking snack drawer and you're seeing Nutrigrain bars and you're seeing pretzels and you're seeing fucking stale seltzer sitting there, right? So they go on and they spend a bit in free agency. They grab Jonah Smith. They grab Hunter Henry. They grab Nelson Aguilar. They grab Kendrick Bourne. So we're not bringing Oreos to the counter. But listen, there's stale Pop-Tarts in there and I'll take that shit over pretzels any day of the week. So those weapons should not only alleviate pressure on Cam, but Harris and the offensive line. And speaking of the offensive line, man, this is something New England just does well every year, no matter who, uh, no matter what personnel they have, right? Even with Marcus Cannon opting out for the season, they finished as PFF's sixth highest graded run blocking line in the league. Harris will be good, one, because he makes guys miss, as I showed you, the yards created per touch and the uh, juke rate, top 10 in the NFL. He makes guys miss in tight spaces. He's not a home run guy. He's not going to bust off 50, 60 yard runs or anything like that. But he's a Josh Jacobs type of player where you bust off six, eight, 15 yard runs, you get 15 to 20 carries. Those add up to over 100 yards per game a lot of the time. So he makes guys miss in tight spaces. But more importantly, he's got a really, really good offensive line. Per pro football reference, Raheem Mostert averaged more yards before contact than Damian Harris. He was the only running back in the NFL to average more yards before getting contacted than Damian Harris. Raheem Mostert was at 3.3. Damian Harris averaged 3.1 yards of runway before getting contacted last year. Second highest rate in the NFL among running bikes. The big question becomes, obviously, what's going on with the quarterback situation in New England? I personally think it's going to be Cam Newton for a very long time, uh, if not the majority of this season. I would say Mac Jones probably doesn't step on the field until like week eight, nine, the earliest. I actually haven't really looked at the schedule. I'll throw it up on the screen right now so we can kind of work through. You guys can kind of see where their bye week is and what's a likely easy schedule, easy part of the schedule where Mac Jones might get on. I don't think Cam comes off the field before like week 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. So him being back there, yes, it does hurt Damian Harris because Harris is not going to get anywhere near as many goal line opportunities as he probably should, but it still will open up more holes in the offensive line and Harris should continue to be really, really, really efficient on his touches. Is Harris going to be a 30 catch kind of back? No. His ceiling is probably capped at like a high-end RB2, a top 15 running back with some no-show games depending on the game script, but I almost think he's a lock to finish the year as a running back too. You're getting him, according to underdog ADP right now, as the running back 32-88th overall. So I think we should be smashing the fucking draft button on Damian Harris based off of good offensive line. He was very good last year. They clearly showed that they wanted him to be the guy based on the second half of last year. I think this is going to be a really, really solid campaign for Damian Harris. You're probably getting him as your flex one, flex two. Worst case scenario, you stacked up tight ends, wide receivers, and he is your RB2, but you could do worse than that. Those are three guys that I absolutely love where their current ADP is per underdog fantasy. Make sure you go to underdog fantasy right now. Go deposit using promo code BDGE. When you do, you're going to get $3 to draft with. So you get into a free draft with me. You literally get $3 onto your account to draft against me just for throwing 10 bucks down and signing up with promo code BDGE. Nick Chubb, Damian Harris, Chris Carson, get them thick backs and get them routinely. Hit that thumbs up routinely if you enjoy my videos. Subscribe to the channel if you're new. We're talking everything 2021 fantasy football and running bikes. And I'll see y'all tomorrow. Peace.